Well, good morning. Hope everybody's doing well. Has anybody else been affected by the uh, temperature change like I have? This could last about five minutes. We'll just see how long my voice can hold out. And we'll, uh, so you could be getting out of here really early today. Uh, if you got your Bible, go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Again, uh, if you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you for uh, your presence and uh, paying us the, the honor of joining us for, for service. Uh, we're in the, the fourth in a series that we have been looking at that's called Twisted. It's where we're taking some of the most misused or misquoted or abused verses in Scripture that have been pulled out of their context and have been used in, in different ways. And what we've seen over the last three weeks is that when you do that, it gives it a different meaning. It gives it a different twist, so to speak. It makes it say something completely different than, than what we, uh, or what was originally meant to be said when the author wrote it all of those years ago. And today we're on number four in that series, and we're getting to the point where we're about to shut it down, but we've got a couple more of these that, uh, that we want to look at. We've talked about the, the danger of, of one-verse theology of having that one verse that you anchor down to without reading the context, without reading what comes before it, what comes after it, know who wrote it and why they wrote it. And in doing so, you know, you can sort of make Scripture say what you, you need it to. You know, there's a verse, uh, Matthew 5, 48, it says, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now then, we read that verse and not get into what it actually says. We think, man, be perfect. I can't do that. Okay, because I'm not perfect. Okay, you're not perfect. But in, you know, reading it sort of out of its context, it's like Jesus is saying, hey, look, you can't mess up. You can't blow it. You can't, you can't mess up one little bit. You've got to be flawless. Now then, that can be tough, especially for those who are perfectionists. We got any of those in here? I know we got at least one in here. We, oh, somebody's pointing, so that's, uh, some are being pointed out. Well, well, to our visitors, we don't normally make it a habit of pointing out other sins. <laughs> we're, we're talking about judging in just a minute. That may go well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if you're a perfectionist, then this one's really tough for you because guess what? You're not perfect, and you never will be perfect. And so you read a verse like that that says, well, why would I even try this church thing? Why would I even try this, this Jesus thing? Because it says be perfect, and I know that I'm not perfect. I know I've blown it. Well, that's what taking it out of context does. You put it in there and you realize what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about maturing in our faith. Okay, Trying to, to become more God-like. And that's what, it's, uh, that's what it's talking about. And so that's why we've... Uh, stressed over the weeks that really a, a great way of looking at Scripture is taking it a chunk at a time, breaking it down, look at what comes before and after it. There's nothing wrong with us having those verses that we anchor down to because they do help us through uh, some of the, the tough times in our life, but we have to make sure that we've got our context right. And so let's just review for anybody that has been on fall break for the last couple of weeks or under a rock or asleep or hasn't listened online yet. What we've said from the beginning is that the Bible, it was not written to us. You know, we don't open up the book of first or second cornerstonians. You know, it wasn't written to us specifically, 
but it is written for us. There's a lot of good stuff in there. There's a lot of stuff that shows us what it means to, to live and to, to follow Jesus. It gives us the example. And then let's run through our, our points as we remind ourselves on, on the danger of twisting Scripture. Point number one. Uh, listen, we've said this one every week. Uh, I think this is the most important point we've looked at. Say it with me one more time. Context is key. Context is so important when you're looking at Scripture. Yes or no? It is absolutely important because if it's not, if you're not looking at it in context, you know, we get a completely different meaning from Scripture. You know, we looked at Jeremiah 29, 11, and we've talked about this one a lot, and that's the one that says, you know, God's got this individually prescribed plan for me, and He's going to make me very prosperous, nothing bad's going to happen. And then what happens is, you know, you realize the plan doesn't go as you thought it was going to go, and you're not prosperous, and bad stuff does happen. And you think, well, wait a minute, God lied to me. God's told me something wrong. Something happened. He said it wouldn't happen. And then you go and you look at that verse in Scripture or in context and you realize that verse is not meant for us individually. He's talking to Israel. He's talking to the exiles. He's saying, look, hang on. I'm going to take care of you as a people, but you've got to trust me. Okay, the second point that we made, uh, the second point we made so far uh, was that miss. Quoting Scripture contradicts the message. Okay, we, we quoted, uh, or, or we talked about the misquotation of 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that says, you know, or, or that is often misquoted as God will never put more on you than you can bear. Well, the Bible doesn't say that, but a lot of people think it does. It's actually talking about temptation and that God won't let us be tempted more than, than we can bear. And then last week, uh, last week, we said that pulling Scripture out of its context can cause us to miss the, the true message of what was there. And we looked at, at Philippians 3.13 that talked about you know, forgetting what was behind and straining toward what is ahead. And you know, we, we said, well, that means you know, forget about our past, don't worry about it, keep pushing forward, keep being positive. And it's, it's, it's not what that was, was talking about at, at all. And so today we come to, to our fourth point in this series, and this is it right here, that misusing Scripture, misusing Scripture can allow us to justify sinful behavior if we're not using it correctly. And so we've got to do this, and we've talked about the different tools of making sure we're handling Scripture the right way over the last couple of weeks. We've talked about the ABCs, looking at the author, you know, who wrote the passage or the book or whatever it might be considering the, the background of when it was written and to where it was written and to who and all of this, and then finally considering the context, especially if we are just looking at one particular verse, looking at what was said uh, you know, immediately before and immediately after it, and it's when we do that, you know, we can grasp what it is the author was, was talking about. We've also talked about the W's, the, the who, the what, the where, the when, the the why that this passage was written. What was the author's theme or what was the point that, that they were trying to make as they composed this text, whether it be in a letter or whatever, and, and sent it off to the recipients. What were, what were they trying to communicate? Well, today we're going uh, to look at one for just a few minutes. We're going to look at one 
that by a, a lot of people is, is considered to be kind of the granddaddy of all twisted Scripture. And here it is right here. Uh, from Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge that you will not be judged. Does anybody like to be judged? Anybody particularly like that one? I don't, I don't like it. Why don't we like it? Because it makes us feel inferior. It makes us feel looked down upon. And nobody enjoys, nobody enjoys feeling that way. Well, the thing is, is we live in a culture, we live in a culture that, that is saying more and more and more, anything goes, right? Anything goes. And, and whatever fits your fancy, go ahead and do it. If it feels right, you know, it must be right. But to, to call attention to destructive behavior or habits in someone's life, you know, people get, they get offended. They get offended by that. And it's this verse right here that is pulled out of its context that is often used to turn away someone who is raising questions about, about someone's choices. There's one writer that says that this verse is often swung as a gavel to bring an immediate cessation of the discussion of another person's behavior. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? You, you ever dealt with somebody who was doing something foolish and you went to go talk to them about it? And they said, hey man, don't judge me. Jesus said don't judge. You know? I remember when I was a, when I was a freshman in college, I was making some choices that were, were not great. And a professor noticed it. He called me into his office and he, and he sat me down and he began to, to point out these different things that I was doing and how detrimental it was to my life, especially my, my academic career and how not only could it affect me academically, it could affect my witness and all of these different things. And guess what? I was so glad to hear it. Right? No! Who is ever glad to hear stuff like that in their life? Okay? I can tell you as a 18, 19-year-old college freshman 20 years ago, I was not interested in hearing what he had to say. So he laid it out all, all that he wanted to say. And you know what my response was? Thank you, brother, for correcting me and pointing me on the right path and I'll start doing better. No, you know what my response was? Don't judge. Jesus said, don't judge. That's what I, what I, what I said to him. But looking back on that, you know what I realized I did? I took that verse straight out of context. Okay? But that's what we do with these verses. We'll take a verse. Man, that sounds good. You want to talk to me about an issue that I have in my life, something I'm doing wrong, you're going to come talk to me about it? Yo, don't, don't judge me. Jesus said, don't confront me about this. Don't try to get me going back the way I need to be going. And that's what we do. While I, had, while I had used Scripture to defend my position, I had used it wrongly. I had not handled it right. I used it to, to justify my behavior. You know what I'm talking about? I didn't want someone telling me what I was, was doing wrong, and so I broke out this, this little helpful verse and we go to our friend Willie right here, and he says this, please, feed me more quotes taken out of context to, to validate your actions. You know, and, and that's, 
a lot of times when you've had to go and talk to somebody about something they got going on in their life that is destructive, that is harmful, have you seen people pull things out of context to justify the reasons that they're doing it? Okay, let's, let's, turn that mic, let's turn that microscope in on us. How many of us have done that? Because I know, I just gave you one where I did it. Okay, how many of us have done that? How many of us have, have, have said things, done things to, to justify our behavior when people are trying to come and they're trying to help us and they're trying to, to move us along? And ultimately, while we don't want to hear it, that's what we need, yes or no? We need people to help to, to move us along. And, and, and this right here, this, this taking a, a verse of Scripture out of its context, especially this one like Matthew 7, using it to, to justify bad behavior. You know, this is what, what so many people do when they want to justify sin, when they want to justify their poor choices in life. You know, out of, out of context, out of its context, in our pluralistic society where anything goes, this verse, I mean, it looks very much like Jesus is telling us not to make judgment calls about, about one another's lives. But here's the thing, and here's what's ironic about this. In using this verse, using uh, this verse in this way, is that when we use it to keep people from judging our actions, we're actually guilty of judging ourselves. Okay? We, we judge them to be judgmental. You see it? I judge that you're judging me. So it just it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And so we have to ask ourselves, wait, like Jesus said it. I mean, it's plain. It's right there in front of us. Don't judge so that you won't be judged. We have to ask, what was it that Jesus, what was it that Jesus really meant? What was he trying to say? And when we take that verse and we set it back down in its context, in the original conversation when Jesus said it, and when Matthew penned these words, we see that there is more to what He was saying. Because, true or false, Jesus is concerned with our behavior. Absolutely He is. I mean, He has just spent, He's just spent the bulk of what, this section is, this, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. But he has just spent the bulk of his teaching talking about our attitudes, right? Or the attitudes that we should be trying to have as we deal with, with circumstances in life. Okay, He has talked to us and he has taught the people about not hating others, right? He is concerned about... Husbands and wives being faithful to one another and not committing adultery. But not even just committing adultery, but maintaining our thought process and making sure that we're not committing adultery with our hearts by the thoughts that we have. He's talked to us and He's concerned with, with His people being truthful. He's concerned, he's concerned about people loving their their enemies. You see, for, for Jesus to address those issues, He had to make a judgment call about how people were behaving and how they should behave. 
And so we have to ask Jesus, when you say don't judge so that you won't be judged, what are you really saying? And so when we look at it in context, when we look at this verse in context, in this passage, and really in the overall Sermon on the Mount, we'll see what he's talking about. Because we're having to keep in mind, we're keeping in mind the audience that he is addressing. Okay, we're keeping in mind those, those parameters that are sort of on the, the, the outskirts as he, as he says these things. And as you look through the Sermon on the Mount, you realize he is addressing a crowd of people who are coming to him because he has the words of eternal life, because he's done some great things, because he can heal them, and he's drawing these people, and he's drawing all kinds of people to him. Not only that, not only that, some of the things that he is saying is upsetting, upsetting the, the, the religious order of the day. Okay? The religious leaders of the day are not big fans of Jesus. Okay, now then, there were some that were, you know, that were trying to, to do what was right, but there were others that when they heard Jesus talk and they saw Him do the things that, that He was doing, they didn't like it. Because He was speaking with authority. Okay, they were supposed to be the ones that had the authority, yet He's speaking with this, this new authority and they don't like it. They don't like that He heals people on the Sabbath day, that He, he puts people's needs above the law. They don't like that He touches certain people that are unclean. They don't like that He goes places that, that He shouldn't be going, that He associates with people that they deem unworthy. And so as Jesus begins this, this message, He is talking to those people. He's talking to those people. But He is also speaking in response to the attitude of those religious leaders. To those, the scribes and the, and the Pharisees that were making it difficult for people to get to Jesus. If you look in, 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 in uh, chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter, you'll never enter the kingdom of, of heaven. And then he goes on and he's, he's talking about, you've heard it said this, but now I'm telling you that. He begins to establish this, this new authority. It's not that he's putting these things away, he's, he's deepening the meaning. And he's raising the standard for how people are to live. And then he begins to, to point out the differences between that of the Pharisees. And he's saying, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, your righteousness must surpass the righteousness or the perceived righteousness of the scribes and the, the Pharisees. And he goes through there and he starts talking about service and, and, and loving your enemies. And then he starts using a word. He starts using the word hypocrite. Okay? And when he uses that word hypocrite, he's talking about those people. He's talking about the, the scribes and, and the Pharisees. 
who are looking down on this, this people that are longing to come to Jesus. And he's saying, look, when you do something good, don't go and parade it around. Don't go talk about it. Don't go make it known like the hypocrites. Whenever you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites who pray out in public and want all to hear and that's the reward that they, they receive. When you, you fast, don't make it obvious like the, the hypocrites. You know, Fix yourself up like you would on a normal day. Get to looking normal. Don't do things like the, the, the hypocrites do. And so we realize that, that that's kind of what he's talking about. He is addressing this people that have been looked down on, marginalized, whatever, by the, the scribes, the Pharisees, by the religious leaders. And so we come to chapter 7, chapter 7, verse 1. And he says, Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For with the judgment you use, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is what the Pharisees were doing to this people. And he goes on, he says, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye? And look, there's a log in your eye. Hypocrite. There it is. First take the log out of your eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of Take the speck out of your brother's eye. And what we see that Jesus is actually talking about is not being hypocritical in the way we go about our lives. You know, we have to be discerning, right? We have to discern, yes or no? We have to. As a matter of fact, Jesus is going to, to, to say just a few verses later, in verse 15, where he's talking about false prophets, and he says you'll recognize them by their fruit, which means you have to be discerning about people's actions and about people's motives. When he's saying here, don't judge so you won't be judged, he is talking about being hypocritical. You know, many times uh, people have stuff going on in their lives and they, they know it's wrong. And they begin misdirecting and, and pointing out the, the flaws of others. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever done that? Because I have. When I know that I'm, I'm wrong about something, when I know I'm wrong about something, it's easy to start pointing out the flaws in the rest of you. Because you know what that does? That takes the heat off me. That lets me continue to act however I want to act. That lets me continue to, to go the way that I want to go and, and be ungodly and to be unrighteous and to do all of these things. Okay, I can point out your sin and I can do it and I can put that spotlight on you and it just gives me a, a free pass to do that. But you know what that makes me? Like the Pharisees, that makes me a hypocrite. Don't judge. That's what Jesus is saying. 
He's saying, you have to make sure your own life is in order first. That's what he's saying. And he uses this, this overspeak, this, you know, this, this hyperbole. Your friend's got that little speck in their eye, and you got this big old log sticking out. You can't see nothing. You can't help anybody. It's like, it's like the person who is an alcoholic, a continuing alcoholic trying to help a continuing alcoholic. It just, it's, it's not going to produce a lot of good outcome. We have to deal with our, our, ourselves first. Or rather, we have to let Jesus deal with us first. Okay, a, 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 a husband who does not treat his wife good does not need to be given out marriage advice. Okay, it doesn't work that way. It can't work that way. You know, I don't want to hear from somebody like that. Somebody who mistreats their wife or their family. I don't want you to come and tell me how I'm supposed to be as a husband and as a father. Why? Because you're a hypocrite. You're not living what you're telling me. Don't judge the way that I'm living when you're not even living the way that you want me to live. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying you've got to get your life in order. You've got to get that own stuff, your own stuff out of the way. You know what? Then once you've done that, once you've done this, once you've removed the log, then you can see clearly to help somebody. And that's where it gets powerful right there, doesn't it? Because somebody who has been through something that you're going through, and they've turned it to Jesus, and Jesus has cleansed them, and Jesus has brought them through it, that person then can begin to speak with some authority in our lives, can't they? We begin to listen to them. Why? Because they've been there. Because they've done that. They've felt the pain. They've felt the emptiness. They've felt the struggle. They've felt the addiction. They've felt the hurt or the loss or whatever it is. And they can say, look, I see the choices you're making. I see the destructive path that you're on. And it's not good. And I can tell you where this is headed. You see, I'm willing to listen to somebody like that. If somebody sees something in my marriage, I'm not treating my wife the right way. And maybe you've been there. And you come to me and you say, you know what? I was that way one time. There was this time where I, just, I was not overly nice to my wife. I didn't treat her great. I put her down or whatever. But look where we are now. And, and, and your marriage is good and strong and we can see the results of that. Then I'm going to be willing to listen to you. Okay? Because you've had that log removed. And you've been there and now it's about helping. You see, and that's the, that's the power. That's the power of, of testimony. That's what we talked about last week from, from Philippians 3.13. Forgetting what is behind. It's not about forgetting all the past that's happened to us. It's about remembering that stuff and looking back and seeing how far God has brought us, what He has done with that, how Jesus has transformed us from that past and then using that past to help someone else. 
That's what that's about. That's what, what this is about. That's the power of, of, of testimony. But you see, when we take a verse like don't judge and pull it out of its context, well, that gets us back to our point. Miss using scripture it allows us to justify sinful behavior and i would say that this is not a misuse of scripture i would say that's an abuse of scripture using it to to do whatever we want to do as a sort of a get out of jail free card when that's not what it was about at all jesus is challenging us to live differently he's calling us to a higher standard a higher plane okay now we, we certainly we, we don't want to look down on people okay we, we, we are not to look down on people our job is is to recognize that when, when you see me you realize I'm just another person struggling I'm another person that needs Jesus okay my job is to recognize that when I look at you I realize you need Jesus just as much as I need Jesus because I need Jesus all right I don't just need him sometimes I need him all the time all the time and I'll tell you what the last month or so of my life it becomes more and more evident man I, man, I, I need Jesus so much and just like that song that we sang a few minutes ago without him how lost would I be and that's the truth because without Jesus man there's one I don't have any hope because I cannot be perfect. I am sinful. I fall short of the glory of God. We all do. But I need people to help point me in the right direction. I need mature people who have gone before me, who have lived life longer than I have, that have more wisdom and more knowledge than I have, that have already made those mistakes, that can come to me and say, hey, look, I see where you're going. I see where this is headed, and it's not good, and say, let me help you. Let me pull you out of that. Or look, man, you blew it. <laughs> let me help you back up because somebody helped me up. You know what I'm saying? That's what I need. That's, what, that's what, what, what this this text is about. The only way for us to get ourselves right is to turn our lives to Jesus. To let Him heal us, to let Him, to let Him remove the log, the plank, whatever it is. Let Him remove that from our eyes. Then and only then are we see, uh, free to help others. Because only then can we see as we should be seen. It's all about Jesus. Because without Him, there's no hope. If you don't know Jesus today, today is the day that you can know Him. You confess Him that He is your Lord. You participate in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus in baptism where it happens with us, we're united with Christ. The blessing, the blessing of that is being freed from our sins, being brought into the, the, the kingdom of God. 
But if you're struggling with something, if you're struggling with, a, with an attitude that's looking down on people, man, turn that back over to Jesus. Don't be hypocritical like the Pharisees. Let him deal with what's in your life. Then go and use your past, use your testimony to help somebody, to help bring them into a closer walk with Jesus. So if you're hurting, don't go away hurting. If you're carrying a burden, don't carry it out of here. Leave it here. Give it to Jesus. If we can help you, if we can pray for you in any way, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?